Hello and welcome to You Really Shouldn't Have, with me, James Warwick. The podcast where each week I sit down with a different guest to discuss their career and the story behind the worst gift they've ever been given. Joining me on this episode is entrepreneur, master storyteller, comedy lover and ideas machine, the joy pusher, Aaron Thompson. Aaron sat down with me to discuss his career, his latest project, Song Saga, a game based around music and storytelling, and we even play a round of it right here on the show. And of course, he lets me in on the worst gift he's ever been given. Aaron, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thanks, James. Uh, pleasure to be on this show with you as well. It's a pleasure to have you here. Now, you're known as the joy pusher. So how exactly do you define that? <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, one of the things that I think, you know, a lot of people spend uh, can spend a lot of time on is trying to like define their unique ability or find their purpose or describe how they fit into the world. And because I've always been so interested in so many things, it's always been really hard for me to kind of put myself in that easy, simple box. And so um, in a recent kind of personal rebranding experiment, um, uh, I landed upon this idea of the joy pusher. And, and basically the reason that that stuck um, from is because if I look back across my career, all the different things that I've been involved with, whether it's advertising, entertainment, innovation, writing, running uh, corporate training workshops, giving talks, you know, and probably just about everything I've ever done in my life. The, the one thing that kind of runs constant through them has always been a pursuit of and or an interest in delivering joy to people, right? Whether that's helping them make the world a better place with their own ideas, um, with our ideas or with my ideas and kind of using creativity and innovation and storytelling where appropriate and humor where appropriate to kind of help people find some levity in their life. Fantastic. I wanted to touch a bit on storytelling because I know you've done quite a few things. I mean, you've worked in creative direction and script writing, and I know you've also got a, a passion for stand-up comedy and improv comedy as well. And all of those things involve storytelling, as does your latest product, Song Saga. How much of an importance do you place on storytelling as a life skill? Obviously, I have a bias because of all the things <laughs> you just mentioned, but I think it's very, very important. Um, perhaps more, probably one of the most important things you can do is um, be able to tell an engaging story, whether you're a person or a brand, right? I mean, there are whole facets of the advertising industry focused on helping brands get better at telling their brand story, whatever that might be. Um, when you think of celebrities or famous people, you often think of the story and the story might be a specific story they tell like, oh, Richard Branson, he's the guy that jumped out of an airplane and parachuted you know, down into the middle of London. Or the brand story is that he's the vagabond entrepreneur whose ideas can't fail, right? You know, <laughs> and um, but either way, there's a story. And I think you know, in the history of mankind, before the written word, even storytelling was how all knowledge was passed down. So I feel like it's in our DNA as human beings to appreciate stories well told and to have an um, almost an automatic bias to want to hear them and be willing to listen to them. And you know, podcasting, I think, is of a recent testament to that. Now, obviously podcasting has been around forever, but at its core, it's everybody with a microphone and, uh, you know, a computer can tell their story and share it with the world. And I think, you know, we're seeing constant rise in podcasting. And I think that's further testament to, to the power of story. Absolutely. I think we've seen a big rise in it, certainly during this uh, COVID pandemic as well. I think we've seen a, a lot of new shows coming onto the, uh, onto the podcasting space. 
It's true. Yeah. You know, who knows how many of them will be around when everyone goes back to work, but <laughs> certainly a lot of people are having fun. And I think, you know, it's bringing, obviously there's a lot of new, interesting takes on, on the format, which I love. I know you're originally from the States, but you now reside in Australia. And I know while, whilst in Australia, you set up the Laugh Masters Academy. So I wondered how that project came about. And uh, obviously you're a big lover of comedy. So I'm, I'm sure that had a key factor in it. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of comedy. And, but what's interesting about setting up Laugh Masters Academy, which was, for those of you who don't know, Laugh Masters Academy is Australia's sort of first Chicago style or US style long form improv and sketch comedy school. And the way that um, I came about setting it up was really selfish and really um, me being optimistic and naive. And the, the backstory is basically I was in Los Angeles. I was still living in Sydney, but I'd gone back to Los Angeles to write a screenplay for a director there. And while I was in LA, like everyone in LA, I decided to take an improv class. And the reason I decided to take it was less about being a performer or trying to be funny and more about, uh, the fact that I thought it would make me a better writer and that it might make me better at working with actors on a set. And so I jumped into my first improv class thinking that I was going to be awesome at it because I love comedy and I'm the funny one among my friends. And I was like, now walked in there. I was like, I'm going to rule improv. And what I subsequently learned is that everything most people think about improv is wrong. Starting with the biggest myth of all, which is that improv comedy is about trying to be funny. And it really isn't. It's really about learning to stay present, stay aware, be in the moment and respond authentically to whatever's just been said. And if you're in there and you're trying to be funny like I was, then you're ruining the class for everyone else in it and you're ruining it for yourself. And when I, when I clocked this, I kind of had to step back, kind of go back to beginner's mind and go, okay, I don't actually know what this is. What is it? And then what I fell in love with was the life skills, the ability to learn how to actively listen, use eye contact, avoid putting all the uh, cognitive load on whoever you're talking with by asking questions without giving um, um, yes and statements. And, and then finding that you could use all those things as tools for innovation, improved communication, uh, collaboration. And that's what I fell in love with. So when I came back to Sydney after the screenplay was done, I wanted to continue that journey and continue learning more about this kind of craft and there was nobody in Australia that was teaching it at the level that I had been offered in the U.S. So very selfishly, I flew instructors out from L.A. to kind of run some weekend workshops. And I sold a corporate training workshop in between there to kind of offset some of the costs. And to make a long story very short, at the end of that experience, I decided I was never going to do it again because it was so much work and so much trouble. And it would just be easier <laughs> to fly back to L.A. and take a class next time I wanted to do that. But it's something horribly magical happened, which was one of the students was like, hey, I just moved here from New York and I used to teach improv and I'd love to teach. And so he ran an eight week class, like a level one. And then at the end of that, people were like, when's level two? And, you know, fast forward nine years and now we're in Melbourne, Parramatta, New South Wales and Sydney, New South Wales. Wow. It's yeah. incredible. Incredible. Now, I know you're a big lover of words. You're very much a wordsmith. And that is very apparent in your podcast. We were talking about people setting up podcasts and doing podcasting. And you, you also do your own podcast, One Word Suggestion, which I've really been enjoying. It's a really great concept, really quick fire, easy to listen to. Do tell us a bit more about it and how you came up with the idea. 
Thanks, James. And thanks for checking it out. Yeah. So one word suggestion is, um, again, a byproduct of the uh, improv training that we were doing. And what if you've never been to an improv show, almost every improv show anywhere in the world starts with the performers on stage asking the audience for one word that they can use to sort of build the world and create a show around. And so that was the that was sort of the impetus for or the inspiration for this podcast. And what I do on it is I take one word suggestions from an audience, but then I use that word to respond um, uh, in a frame that shows and demonstrates and proves how using the power of improvisation in your professional life and your personal life can um, have a dramatic positive impact, right? For all the reasons that I shared before about, you know, what I fell in love with when, when I decided to set up Laugh Masters Academy. So that the business side, the corporate training business side of our school is called PowerProv. And um, PowerProv is sort of the brand behind one word suggestion. But what I love about it is, as you said, it's a three minute podcast. It's very digestible, quick hits. We call it like your toolkit for actively uh, for a toolkit for better communication. So, yeah, check it out. I did notice when looking through, you hadn't yet done the word gift. So I was hoping I might be able to suggest the word gift for you off the back of coming on the show. Thank you so much. I will use gift. I've been looking for one more word to finish the year. And so gift it, it shall be. Gift and, it is. you know, it's such a great word for improv too, because when you're on stage performing with your fellow players and someone kind of tees you up to do something awesome and hilarious and great, that's called a gift in improv terminology. And then one of the things that we teach people in our corporate training is to look for those gifts in everyday life. When someone, it's not so much about compliments or, um, um, telling you that you know you've done something well. It's more about just looking for those statements or words that people say to you that open up possibility or create opportunity, and um, and we love that. So gift is a great word, and I will definitely use it. Thank you. Oh my God. Okay, Aaron, it's come to that important part of the show. What is the worst gift you've ever been given? The worst gift I've ever been given started off as the best gift I've ever been okay. given. And the reason for that is um, um, when I was a young child growing up, my parents didn't have much money. And one of the things that my mom did to save money was she often made my clothes for me. She, you know, she knew how to sew. And, um, you know, as a young child, as a really young child, it doesn't bother you. But then you get to an age where you're like, wait a minute, I'm not into wearing pants my mom made or shirts my mom made. And so I got, you know, I was really self-conscious about the fact that I was wearing homemade clothes. And I had some cousins who lived on the other side of the country and every year for Christmas, I think cause they probably felt bad for me. They would send me store-bought clothes. Right. And I used to get so excited uh, because you know, like, Oh, right. Real jeans or a real sweater, you know, whatever. And, um, and but they, because we, they lived on the other side of the country, they often got the size wrong. Right. Cause they hadn't <laughs> seen me, you know? So, so these great clothes would come and I'd be so excited, but then they wouldn't fit and I'd be super disappointed. So then, so after a couple of years or a few years of this kind of pattern, one year they got it exactly right with this tan V-neck sweater, right? That had a little white fleur-de-lis on the chest. And I was so excited. I couldn't believe I got this cool, like awesome sweater. And I decided that I was going to wear it for school picture day. And so I woke up on the morning of school picture day and my mom unbeknownst to me had sewn a blue horse with button hair and like oh. uh, button eyes and yarn hair onto the front of this sweater. No, it's <laughs> just like, no, you know, and it's obviously like, it can't take it off. Cause I have to go to school and it's school picture day. <laughs> and I was just like 
gutted, you know, completely ruined and sad. And, uh, and I still have that photo and yeah. you can see my little, my little pouty face. Amazing. You know, just like, this is the worst. <laughs> you know, I couldn't believe that she did it. You know, and I think it scarred me for life. Like, I think it made it hard for me to accept gifts from other people in a way. And it certainly, um, you know, made me pay a lot more attention to my clothing as a, as an adult when I could choose, choose what I wanted to wear or a young adult when I could choose what I wanted to wear. So, yeah. But anyway, the, so it was the, the worst gift for me was the, the V neck, um, tan sweater that my, or jumper, as you call them, that my, uh, mom sold a soda blue horse onto for school picture day. Now, I wanted to move on to your latest product, which is a brand new game called Song Saga, which I checked out when you sent me the info over, and I'm a big lover of music, and I'm a big lover of games, so this ticks all the boxes for me. So, where did the idea first come from, and once you had the idea, what steps did you have to take to bring that project to the market? Yeah, so, um, probably one of my biggest challenges has been um, fending off all the ideas that I have and the... uh, inordinate amount of optimism and confidence I have that I can bring them to market. And so my wife is always telling me, don't start another idea without checking with me first. So when we had the idea for Song Saga, I was like, can I do this? <laughs> she was like, yeah, yeah, go for it. I think it's got legs. So the origin story is um, basically, you know, I think it for probably like 10 years ago now, Steve Jobs famously said that, you know, he held up the first iPod and said, you know, a thousand songs in your pocket. Right. And that was huge. Right. Now it's all the songs in your pocket, right? You've got 60 million songs in your pocket. If you've got Spotify or Amazon music or Apple music. And so for me, I was like, how could we possibly gamify this? Right. Cause it's such a weird thing. You've got the biggest music library ever and everyone has it. So it sort of was sitting in the back of my mind, trying to figure out how could I do something interesting with that fact. And then we went to a dinner party with some friends and after dinner, we're sitting around drinking some wine, listening to music. And it happened to be the anniversary of my father-in-law's passing. And my wife said, Hey guys, do you mind um, given the, it's the anniversary of my father's um, passing? If I play a song that reminds me of him, we're like, of course not. So she played uh, a Beatles song, um, do and do do that one. And, um, and here comes the sun. Great, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here comes the sun. Yeah. And she told this great story about how she bonded over music with her dad dancing in his wood shop in the, in the sawdust. And he kept his stereo and records in the wood shop because her mom didn't want them blasting the music loud in the house. And so she would go there after school and hang out and spend time with him and discover what new music he'd bought. And so that was this beautiful story. And then one of her other friends was like, well, Hey, I have a song that reminds me of my dad. And she told this um, less sweet story about growing up in a super religious household where she felt like she needed to escape and find her own truth and find herself and running away from home as a teenager. And then she played, um, uh, losing my religion by REM. And then, um, I told a funny story about hearing my dad swearing upstairs when he didn't know I was home when he was trying to fix something in the bathroom. And, uh, and then our friend, uh, another friend played this hilarious like kid song, um, about bath time because the last memory he had of his dad before his dad left was, um, playing in the tub with him. And it was like scrubby, dubby, dubby, bath time's fun. Everybody get clean everyone, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, we've, we've heard these stories from each other that we would never have organically just decided to tell you. 
right? I'm not just going to come out and tell you about escaping our religious household or having baths with my dad, right? And there's also this music component where you're either remembering songs you used to love or hearing songs you've never heard before. And this, what, what I clocked in that moment was this is about reconnecting not only with your own authentic self and your own history and realizing you've had a cool, interesting life, but hearing those great stories that build connection between each other when they're sharing authentic stories with each other rather than just sort of the surface level party talk that we often endure. So I came home from that weekend going, this is the game. And then to answer your, the second part of your question, the, from that idea to a prototype took about a month. It happened really, oh, wow. really quickly. That is quick. Um, yeah. I mean, it gets, you know, it's, we, I have access to the people and resources I needed to make a prototype. What I didn't have was the knowledge of that industry. And so it took a year for me to kind of build the relationships and understand what it takes to actually, you know, not just create a game. Creating a game is, is, it's hard, but it's not the hardest thing. The hardest thing is figuring out how to get that game into a place where the world can hear about it. And that's kind of the journey I'm on right now. So this is great that uh, I get to talk about it on your podcast. So thanks for the opportunity. Well, that's no problem at all. Now, I think we should, we should play it to be able to uh, experience Song Saga in, in all of its glory. Love that. So the, the basic gist of the game is that there are cards in the box that are designed to spark a memory uh, of a moment or music that has meaning to you. Okay. And there's no wrong answers. The cards are not meant to be interpreted literally or figuratively. They're just whatever comes to mind when you see the prompt cards is probably the right thing. And, um, and, that, and whatever, you, whatever your song and story set is what we call them, a set whatever that set is that you want to share is fine. Now there in the actual game, when you play it, it's a little bit more complicated than the version we'll play now. But for, for now I've pulled five cards out of the box at random. Okay. Um, these, these are the memory sparker cards. There's other cards in the box as well. Um, which I encourage people if they're interested to just check out the website and you can see more about the game. Um, but the, the five cards I pull for you, one is still have the t-shirt. Okay. Another is a smoky bar. Third one is singer you had a teenage crush on. Fourth is school dance. And fifth option is your ex. So uh, we'll, go, we'll go with a t-shirt. Got it. I think we'll go with a t-shirt. I go on for the All t-shirt. Right. So do I play the song first or do I tell the story first? Is there Whatever a- makes sense for you. Some people, when they play, they like to play the song as sort of like a soundtrack to their story. Other people play the song and then the story sort of explains it. And then other people tell a story and like the song is almost like a punchline. So there's no wrong okay. order and you can do it however you feel is right. Okay. So here is my song. Now, as much as I'd love to play you the songs that me and Aaron shared whilst playing Song Saga, I didn't really fancy getting sued for copyright infringement, so I've had to take them out of the recording. But the song I played was Get Back by The Beatles. So that was a Get Back by The Beatles. I went, yeah. I mean, it's a great song. We could sit here and listen to the whole song, but I... <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. I'm, I've heard, it's such a good tune. But now you said, so you played The Beatles' Get Back, yes. and the card was Still Have the T-Shirt. Yeah, so... You um, see The Beatles and buy a I T-Shirt? How is that even possible? Well, I didn't. I'm a little bit too young to see The Beatles, I'm afraid. But yeah. about, about four, three or four years ago, uh, me and my dad went to see Paul McCartney play live at the o2 in london and mm-hmm. i bought a t-shirt before that show i don't normally buy t-shirts at gigs but you know seeing him was like a once in a lifetime opportunity so i bought one of the t-shirts and yep. the reason i played that particular song is during the encore of the concert he actually bought ringo star on stage 
and they play Get Back Together. So that that's like a real prominent moment. I always remember him bringing Ringo out. I think it was the first time they've been on stage together in about 10 years. Wow, that's amazing. And what was that like seeing that show with your dad? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, he's he's been a huge Beatles fan. I mean, he, he was born in the uh, 1959. So he, he grew up with the Beatles. So for him to be able to see McCartney as well, I mean, it was a real special thing for both of us. I mean, he brought me up listening to the Beatles as well. So I sort of grew up listening to them and my love of them comes through his love of their music. So for us to both be in, at the concert together, it was amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Should I play a card? Should I play one? Sure. Of yeah, go for it. Oh, man, I didn't really think about my answer. Uh, okay. Well, school dance. So, um, <laughs> so school dance. So the, what I remember, the story I remember is, uh, and this is a good example of being able to go laterally off the back of one of these cards. Um, the, the cliche is, is the slow dance uh, to stairway to heaven, you know, and the awkward discomfort of like trying to figure out who you're going to ask to dance. And then Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven is like the longest yes. song, <laughs> right? So, you know, if you're trying to like, you know, the teachers are going around put, telling you keep your hands above the hips and you're putting your hands down and they come by and raise your hands up and you put your hands down and teacher comes by, you put your hands up. <laughs> this is like hand, you know, hip to bum, hip to bum kind of <laughs> game that you're playing with the person you're dancing with and also the teachers who are watching you. Um, and, but what the, the funny part of that story is this particular school dance that I'm thinking of, like, you know, I didn't have a date when I went there and I didn't have a date when I left. And so me and a bunch of guys uh, decided it, um, it had snowed while we were inside um, at the dance and uh, we had decided that we were going to sketch home. And I don't know if you know what sketching is. Do you guys do that? In, in I'm not London? sure. We, we may call it something different. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. So, so sketching is basically when there's a nice smooth layer of snow or fresh snow or even sometimes ice on the roads and, a, and the cars are driving relatively slowly, you can kind of run up behind them and grab the bumper and kind of bend your knees and like and let it kind of pull you along almost like you're water skiing. Yeah. But you're right on the bumper. Do you do that? And do you have a funny name for it? I'm not sure if there's a funny name for it. I'm try I was trying to think what we would call it. All right. Well, until someone educates you otherwise it's called sketching. So, <laughs> so, so I'm, I hop onto this car to get thinking I'm going to sketch my way home. And every time I'm about to let go of the bumper, because I, you know, we're at an intersection where I think the car is going to turn or might turn the wrong way. The car makes the turn in the direction that I want to go. And I'm like, this is great. You know, like I'm getting a, like a ride home. And it's seriously like for maybe 10, 15 minutes, this car, every time it, makes a turn. It makes a turn the way that I want it to go towards my house. And then it stops in front of my house. No. And it turns out that it was one of my friends driving who knew I was on there. <laughs> I was like, Derek, I'm freezing back here. You, know, like, you could have just let me ride up front. And he's like, no, I thought it was hilarious. So that's brilliant. So yeah, that's my school dance story. Skitching home in the snow. Aaron, wrapping up, if you could go right back to the beginning of your career and buy yourself a gift to help to get where you are now, what gift would you give yourself? What a great question. Um, if I could go back to the beginning of my career and give myself a gift, what would it be? Um, look, it's, it's kind of hard to put in a box, but I think it's uh, confidence, right? I mean, I think I've always had confidence. I think it's undying confidence, mm -hmm. like that. If you, can, if you can figure out a way to package up something that makes people never doubt their capability and their, and 
um, the power of their own intent, that that would be something I could I would love to have more of. Fantastic. And finally, where can people find out more about you, what you do, and of course, Song Saga? Great question as well. Uh, so yeah, you can learn all about me and the things I'm um, playing around with at my website, which is aaronthompson.com. That's E-R-A-N Thompson without a P, my dry Thompson. So T-H-O-M-S-O-N. <laughs> and um, Song Saga is, uh, is available now. You can um, buy it on our website or uh, amazon.com or amazon.com.au. We're not on .co.uk yet, but we will be. And for now, the best place is song-saga.com. Fantastic. Well, Aaron, it's been great to have you here. Thanks so much for stopping by the show. James, thank you. I really enjoyed it. I've been, I've really enjoyed listening to the past episodes and uh, keep it up. You're doing, you're doing great work. Much appreciated, my friend. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of You Really Shouldn't Have. Be sure to subscribe to us on your chosen podcast service to make sure you never miss another episode. You can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at Bad Gifts Pod, as well as online at badgiftspod.com.